You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. Hello, and welcome to this edition of the McKinsey Podcast. I'm David Hunter, an editor with McKinsey Publishing. Today, we're going to be talking about mining, one of the most cyclical, most capital-intensive, and to my mind, most fascinating of all industries. With me here to discuss the issues are McKinsey partner Chris Mulligan and McKinsey senior expert Mukani Moyo. Chris, for listeners who don't closely follow the mining sector, can you start by setting the scene? Over the course of the past 15 years, the most pronounced uh, trend has been what people call the super cycle, which was a Chinese demand-driven desire for more commodities as they continued to industrialize their country. And that had a lot of effects. It was a little unexpected how quick the demand was going to grow. And even though uh, China is a resource-rich country, the amount of extra coal, iron ore, uh, and copper, as well as a bunch of other commodities that China needed to consume in order to grow at the rates that it wanted to, entirely outstripped its own national ability to serve that demand. And so it really created a, a large global demand for many commodities, which others then scrambled to provide. And then what did that do to the production and profitability of the industry worldwide? So you start with demand, and, uh, and, and hopefully you match it with supply. Uh, where it doesn't, you increase price. So prices certainly went up. So supply also went up, but supply going up is really kind of the interesting part of the equation. There wasn't a lot of obvious places where there was underutilized capacity where people could just say, oh, yeah, we should just you know, run the night shift, as it were. So there needed to be a real increase in supply, which needed to be met with new mines. And so you saw the mining industry demand a lot of capital in order uh-huh. to build those new mines. Now, the interesting thing about a mine that might be different than almost any other kind of operating asset in other industries, they just take a long time to build. Ten years would be kind of a good expectation from the time that you actually say, yeah, we, we, we like what the ore deposit is here and we want to build something, to the time when you ship the first metal or a commodity. These things take a long time in order mm-hmm. to get up and running. It was a very unique period at the beginning of the super cycle driven by Chinese demand where the capital required by the industry and the capital that was available to the industry because of the expected returns was truly amazing. Hundreds of billions of dollars got put into the mining industry on the expectation of continued increasing demand and high price and therefore decent profit levels. When you factor in the lead time to getting the geology and understanding the resource basin, that just adds to those timelines. It might take 10, 20, even longer periods of time, years, to complete all the geological analysis and exploration to unpack what an ore body contains. And then you've got these long lead times to investing the capital and building a functioning asset. By the time that you actually get to production, you may well be in a completely different market paradigm to where you were when you made the initial decisions to invest in that asset. And compounding that with what's happening in terms of where we have to go to look for ore bodies, a fundamental phenomenon that's occurring is that the mature resource basins of the world, the places that we've historically gone to extract minerals, are depleting. And so more and more we're having to turn to new geographies, places that are untapped, 
often in the far-flung, remote corners of the world, places that have limited or no infrastructure. It just adds to the complexity of what it means to build a new mining operation. So we saw this big increase in demand, rising commodity prices, and unprecedented levels of investment, often in remote parts of the world. All of that came to a halt, first in 2008 with the global financial crisis, and then again in 2011 as demand growth started to slow. Can you talk a bit about the downswing? For some of the reasons that Mukhani spoke about before, about the time frames for making investments before earning returns, as well as the scale of those investments, it's meant that perhaps people chased the investment opportunity too long in regards to the China super cycle. At least that would be the kind of conventional wisdom by investors today. So in hindsight, it looks like investors deployed too much capital in the mining sector. And then when Chinese demand started to decelerate, people said, oh my, maybe our uh, growth expectations for Chinese demand were a little bit optimistic. That means that we now have basically put on the tracks a bunch of investments that we either need to write off or see through to their logical conclusion. In this period where we saw strong growth driven by Chinese demand, uh, commodity prices increasing, the profitability of mining companies grew significantly, grew to unprecedented levels, peaking in about 2011. And at this time, mining companies prioritized production, oftentimes at all costs, including also making, as Chris was pointing out, heavy investments in capital to boost output. And when the slowdown in Chinese demand came, there was this overcapacity on the market that led to the price crash that we saw. We have seen prices and equity valuations rebound a little over the last year, but the industry still faces a series of big and important challenges. The big things that the industry is going to have to address are you know, adapting to the slower demand growth, paying attention to the overcapacity that remains in some commodities, thinking about how they manage the volatile spikes we see in, in prices, so volatility is here to stay and thinking about how they repair their balance sheets and uh, manage the heavy debt loads that many mining companies picked up during the boom as they made these investments to drive growth. And what sort of initiatives is that translating to? The mining companies actually post-2008 did a really good job in responding to a dramatically changed environment. So from one in which um, output was prioritized over cost, they really had to switch gears, which really meant switching you know, operating philosophy throughout the organization. If you look at the last 15 years, it is a tale of two chapters. One, uh, kind of pre-2008, was to increase throughput, mainly by applying capital, and without maybe as much cost discipline as you might expect, it was an exact turnaround after 2008, where throughput might have grown a little bit, but basically moderated. And the real focus was on how to bring down costs to stabilize margins as prices plummeted. We've talked a lot about many of the short-term challenges that the industry has faced, but there's a bunch of fundamental and long-term issues the industry is going to have to address. Things like, where are we going to find the mineral deposits of the future, what's going to fuel uh, demand growth for the next century. Mining is going to have to turn to more exotic locations at the very edge of civilization, 
we have mines, for example, in South Africa, gold mines that are operating at, you know, three kilometers or even more deep underground. We have mines in conflict areas and conflict zones in different parts of the world. So this is going to become the operating blueprint for mining companies. In many of these places, it's actually very expensive to keep people housed and safe with good welfare, whether it's at, you know, at 14,000 feet in the Andes or on a hot day in the Pilbara in Western Australia. So there's been an increasing push for automation. And whether it is true autonomous vehicles, of which there are a bunch out and operating, or whether it's remote operation, uh, where there are people you know, kind of in an air-conditioned office someplace in an office park thousands of miles away operating this equipment as though it were a video game, you know, those really are some of the trends that have improved productivity, mainly by taking people away from the site. It's safer. In many cases, it's cheaper. Certainly in the long term, it's cheaper. And um, the productivity has proven to be higher. I think there are four things that mining companies are going to have to do to address the issues the changed environment has brought. I think the first is restoring their balance sheets, and this means, you know, plugging the holes from business development and other endeavors that didn't quite work in this run-up during the boom, and rebuilding the war chest for reorienting and rebuilding a growth agenda. So, you know, mining being an extractive industry, you regress by standing still. You have to, as an imperative, think about growth and, you know, being cyclical, We've come out of a phase where over the last few years, post the, the crash after the boom, uh, growth was the last thing on mining executives' mind. But we're going to have to turn back to that because we are depleting our natural resource bases. The third thing is exploration and exploring for new deposits. So, you know, figuring out what the new sources or what the new ore bodies are going to be that will uh, fuel growth into the future. And as we've pointed out in here before, a lot of that is going to be in new and more challenging places. And then lastly, it's productivity. And this is mining companies improving their efficiencies and thinking about, you know, how they can get more with less. How do you develop these mines in very remote places? I'll share an example here. I had a client that was looking at developing an open pit mining operation in a very remote part of uh, West Africa. And this speaks to some of the challenges associated with not only, you know, getting a mine up and running, but building all of the associated infrastructure that you need. So in their case, it was not only about rehabilitating an old open pit operation that had existed previously. It turned out they needed to think about the port that was going to ship the material out. They needed to think about what investments were needed to rehabilitate that. In fact, in their case, it was pretty much building it from scratch. They needed to think about the rail infrastructure to get material to the port. And not only that, the power supply and power generation to power all of that. It was the water and the water reticulation. It was the roads. It was thinking about the logistics and the supply chain for all of the parts, consumables, and the other things that you need to run the operation. And as importantly, thinking about the talent. You know, where would they get all of the, the skills, both technical as well as uh, operator and and low skills to, to run this operation. There's some very important points around thinking in a smart way about sharing that infrastructure load with other stakeholders, whether that was with the government, whether that was getting in some of the global multilateral institutions to uh, chip in and support with some of the infrastructure, whether it was actually working with other mining companies that were 
looking to enter that region. You're talking here all in many, many billions of dollars beyond just what it takes to build the operation itself. I think the kind of interesting perspective on the mining industry as it has continued to evolve, especially over the course of the last 15 or 20 years, is that the core competencies in order to be successful have expanded. It used to be, back in the day, that all you had to be really good at was operating a bunch of mining equipment, training your workers well, keeping them safe, and producing a lot of ore at a low price. Now, yes, you do have to do that, but increasingly because you're creating a bunch of infrastructure, usually in concert with other parties, some of them governmental, some of them other companies, perhaps competitors. In addition, you are having to create a workforce for many of these places. The competencies that you need are much broader just to get to the start line. So you have to be able to negotiate and get to an acceptable social contract, not only in the near term, but in the long term, because these mines will last anywhere from a dozen to 50 years. And so you have to you know, come to some type of a long-term agreement with the community that is going to host it and the community that you're going to help build. And so you'll find many mines are building schools, they're building hospitals, they're building roads, they're building you know, uh, other things that are not direct infrastructure that would be considered in the mining operation, but have to work right in order for them to be able to do what they need to do. So when we look at mining companies now, the most successful ones, yes, they're good at the prosaic operations of getting stuff out of the ground, but they also are very talented about a, you know, managing a very complex web of stakeholders that allow them and give them the right to do that. I think that the mining industry really has pioneered the way in terms of true globalization. When most firms talk about globalized and they talk about really just chasing large pools of potential consumers, the mining industry has been operating under a different metric of globalization, which is operating at the very ends of the earth. As the world economy continues to become more interactive and becomes more connected, you will see the, some of the things that the mining industry has learned about operating in a very different locations than maybe the major population centers, those skills will become important. So when people are thinking about, okay, how do I want to access uh, sub-Saharan Africa? How do I want to think about what my policy is for operations in Latin America? The mining industry is decades ahead of many other industries because they're already there in a way that most other industries really aren't. You mentioned technology and automation earlier. What's the nature of the opportunity for mining companies? So automation has the potential to really change the face of the work that we do in the mining industry. When we talk about digitization, you know, digitization facilitates increased automation and mechanization, right? We have automated hauling, we have automated drilling. These are technologies that have now been commercialized, which means that, you know, in some mining operations out there, we have these massive fleets of giant haul trucks pieces of gear that are the size of your house, driving and navigating their way around an open pit without anybody sitting in them. This is a self-driving car on, on steroids, essentially. On the other hand, we have other technologies like you know automated blasting and shoveling that are right now undergoing testing. So the benefits that all of these innovations bring, are not only in reducing the cost of labor, which of course is a major component 
in uh, the operating cost buildup of a mining operation, in particular when you consider the remoteness of some of these locations and what it costs to bring talent into these challenging places. But these innovations are also making mining operations safer because we're able to reduce the number of people that we have in some of the most dangerous activities that go on in mining. There are also real opportunities to harness the information and data that we generate in mining operations. You know, any mining operation today will have in the thousands or hundreds of thousands of sensors capturing in real time a vast swath of data. When we look at utilization, kind of how much a piece of equipment is actually used in terms of the time that it's sitting on site, mining, unfortunately, is among the lowest that we see across industries. So, you know, if you compare it to a chip fab or something like that, that'll run, you know, 99% of the time, or maybe a, a, an offshore oil rig, which, you know, will be around the 80s. The mining industry is kind of more like the 60s, and some parts even lower. And what's really helpful is that over the course of the last generation, all the equipment that's being used is just bristling with sensors. So that you know, big truck that you see, <laughs> that's hauling hundreds of tons of ore, and, and by the way, it costs millions of dollars. Those things are pushing out terabytes of information. So you know, one of the things that we think is really interesting about the mining industry at this time is they finally have the information to help them solve the issue about how to better utilize the equipment that's on site. Has the application of technology started to make mining operations more productive? One of the things that we've done in our research is to create a metric that tries to quantify productivity in the mining context by taking into account all of these inputs that go into a mining operation and also trying to disentangle those variables that a mining management team doesn't have control over. So things like you know changes in the price levels of commodities or changes in the price of oil, which influences costs or changes in geology or the grade of a, a mineral. We've essentially created a, a, a metric, we call it the Mine Lens Productivity Index, which tries to, in an apples for apples way, look at you know how a mining company is doing in terms of productivity. And the really interesting thing that you see here is, you know, over the last decade we've seen productivity fall pretty precipitously. In fact, our metric shows mining companies today are about one-third less productive at digging out a ton of dirt out of the ground than they were a decade ago. And that's pretty stark. I think there are a number of things the industry is going to have to address to change this trend. I think first and foremost will be having a more explicit focus on productivity. So historically, mining companies have tended to focus either on cost reduction or on throughput improvement but not necessarily on productivity in the holistic sense. And this matters because mining is inherently a game of trade-offs, right? So there's always a tension between capital invested versus your operating costs, for example. And if we look at the narrow view of just one versus the other, we don't get the full picture of how we're optimizing those trade-offs. I think a big area of focus is going to have to be in building up capabilities around lean operations, asset productivity. And then we've talked a bit about uh, the technology opportunity. You know, historically, the mining industry has been pretty slow to adopt new technologies. 
whether that's been risk aversion or, uh, you know, we've gotten comfortable with doing things a certain way. But this is something the industry has got to change, to have a go at in terms of thinking about the next wave of technologies that will change the way that we do mining. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Makani. To learn more about McKinsey's research on this and other topics, please visit mckinsey.com. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.